Look, women don't, they basically just don't think like that. Millions of years of evolution, right? Men have to stick it in every place they can, but for women, women it is just about security and commitment and whatever the fuck else. A little oversimplified, Alice, but yes, something like that. If you men only knew. I'll tell you what I do know is you got a little stone tonight, you've been trying to pick a fight with me, and now you're trying to make me jealous. You've never been jealous about me, have you? No, I haven't. And why haven't you ever been jealous about me? Well, I don't know, Alice. Maybe because you're my wife. And I know you would never be unfaithful to me. You are very, very sure of yourself, aren't you? No. I'm sure of you. <laughs> Do you think that's funny? Cloak with a hood and a mask. Okay, I think we'll find something for you. I suppose you'd like the password. If you'd like to. Fidelio. Thank you. Sir. I don't think you realize the danger you're in there. You've been way out of your depth. You've got to get away before it's too late. Hey, Trent. Hi, Parth. Uh, fancy seeing you here today. Yeah, you're looking well. We have a film podcast. Yeah. And today is a special day for that film podcast. But it is. For the listener, mo- it's Christmas Eve. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about the movie we are privileged with talking about. But before... I well, yeah, I mean, I think that that ties in to... Oh, yes. But... Um, I'm surprised... Uh, I had a thought at one point in the movie, and I thought, huh, this is a Christmas movie as much as Die Hard is. Why aren't annoying people annoying I, I, about them being the, oh, the, the, I, I shot a Christmas movie? Well, because yeah. I think that it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard, because it's, like, very definitively a Christmas movie, or, like, and, set at Christmas, which, like, Die Hard is as well, but, like, you but know Die what I mean? But Die Hard, it's, like, I feel like part of the joke... It's is very that, extraneous is that, that it's yes, a Christmas. Is, is that it kind of has nothing to do with anything, but this is, it's very baked in to like the color palette and like it's really, you're feeling the whole Christmas season. We're Christmas shopping. There's no, we, we don't see Santa, but just about everything but. Yeah, you see the elves. Yeah, yeah, you go to the North Pole. Santa's little helpers. Tim uh, Allen's there. I haven't seen I haven't seen that one. That's the Santa Claus. I I just and got Santa our, Claus two and three. This is my first Christmas season where I was lucky enough to see National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which really was a treat. Have you never seen it before, or had you yeah. never seen it before? I, that's people's reaction because people Trent, hold it so so sacred. Rent that that's I, a big Parth and his father classic. I mean, granted, if someone in this day and age was like, yeah, you know. I haven't gotten around to seeing Elf yet. I'd be like, what have you been doing that's so important? So so granted, yeah, I understand. Sure. Um, but I, I could talk about Christmas movies, what is or isn't a Christmas movie all day. What's a sandwich? What's a hot dog? But who who cares? Oh, you see Whoa, what Whoa, sandwiches there? and hot dogs. Was that, that intentional or not? Because I feel it, like I saw the gears turning. No, no. Um, only re- Right only after retro- you said it. 
Yeah. It's like it's like Vincent Van Gogh. Like only after my death do I get to realize do people realize my full potential after the yeah, joke, it's just like I realized that. it was funny. Yeah. Um so what have you been eating? Um well Trent, you asked me before we were recording, oh Parth, why were you in Edison recently? Because I had texted Trent. Um and I was like, you, well, we you wouldn't ask to hang out unless you were spatially like closer than usual. Because it's convenient for you, right? Yeah, Trent, I only hang out with you out of convenience. Um, you're so easy to, to hang out with. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I always show up on time to recordings, hangouts, etc. 20 minutes late today. Anyways, um, we yeah, were... Even with the preface of Trent, you can't be late today. I said, <laughs> I said, can we record at 3? And then you said, yes, but it can't be 3.30. And here we here we are at three twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been eating? Anyways, a few days ago, um, me and friend of the show Sophia Alexis um, were out to dinner with some friends from college, the TC and J gang, if you will. Um, Wait, you mean ex TC and J gang or post TC and J gang? Parth, you're living in your college years. Leave it behind. Move on to the next thing. Stop making student films. Make a feature. Oh, film. wow. Oh, well, it's interesting you say that. Um, But yeah, anyways, we went to a restaurant called Ugly Dumpling. I don't know if you've been oh, there. Oh, I've been driving past probably a different location. For the AMC? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, any good? I, I really enjoyed it. Um, we had some good food, and the leftovers from that are what I had for lunch today. I had some chicken fried rice. Oh, so you went to a place not only with ugly in the name, but you went to a place with a with one with a dumpling in the name and you didn't get dumplings. I also had soup dumplings on the day, but that yeah. was uh, that that did not get because I'm they were sure soup dumplings, so yeah, you couldn't the, really They don't age or travel very well. Yeah, but let it be known that we got a thing of six dumplings and um Sophia and I were like, "We'll split this evenly." And then I ended up eating four and she was like um, I only want to, so oh. I had to eat a lot of dumplings. Oh, I thought your extra dumpling would be a point of contention, but it's really just no. an example of how compromising you and your partner can be. Well, no, she, I only wanted three because we ordered oh. a lot of food. Um, so it's actually an extra point of contention between me and Sophia in which I'm the upset one. Um, so Parth, riddle me this, put that dumpling with the shrimp, with the rice, eat it later. No need to be upset. No need to start a well, fight. Well, Trent, I I wasn't that upset. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Anyways, Trent, what what have you been eating? Um, you saw it unfolding. Um, I had. Oh, I did. Of... Well, Trent, yep. do you want to know? Do you want to say why you were eating what you were eating? Oh well, before our last recording, our looper discussion, I was a little loopy because mm. I was little anxious for my wisdom teeth removal and then um they injected me and then i went under and then they removed all five of my wisdom teeth and they gave five me... what there was an extra one parth it just oh a little a little a little weird like misshapen one and then i asked for them and they gave me two full ones and they gave me the little misshapen one that's shaped like a little heart um, very good you should give it to jordan for valentine's day well, here's the thing is that's this is actually a point of contention in my relationship. Oh god. 
is that Jordan had an ex-friend who we won't name, but she got her wisdom teeth removed, and she gave Jordan one of her wisdom teeth, and I think she put it on a necklace, and she's very proud of it, and so ever since it was clear that I was going to get my wisdom teeth removed, she wants to add one of mine to her collection, and I really want to keep hold on to them for myself, because I'm like, they're mine. Uh, I had a surgery done. It cost a lot of money, and I grew these. And also, at one point there was going to be four to give out, so that would have changed things a little. But now there's only two, and I want to make earrings. Um, wow. But so basically, now I have no choice but to maybe I'll give her the the ugly duckling, misshapen one. Oh, there we go. You see that? See that? Very um, good. But yeah, I, maybe I don't know if she'll be happy because it just looks like a little like piece of like it could just be like anything. It doesn't look like a tooth. It just looks like a yellowed blob. Sure. Um, um, but I want to make, yeah, I want to bleach the teeth, because currently the teeth look kind of gross and bloody, and um, but I want to bleach them and turn them into earrings, and considering getting my ears pierced for exclusively that reason. Oh my god, Trent, you're going, you've that, gone insane. Does that sound like too big of a step? No, uh, I, just, I, I love the idea of you with earrings, it's so funny to me. I've never had any interest in it prior, but being able to but the idea of being able to dangle your own e- your own teeth off your ears well, really well the problem was i wanted to make a necklace and if i had three teeth like an odd number that yeah sort of makes you would sense. need something that's like in the middle and then two on the side at the very least but you can't do one where there's just a a line down the middle because there's only two that's my fear so if for symmetry's sake um i, I was thinking earrings but how? What do you think about us talking about the the movie now? Um, well, I think that like I'd really like to, but there's just no way to be able to do that while while we're on this side of the episode, the the pre intro. I'd side. say, but until the intro music plays, there's no way in hell that we can talk about the movie. No, I just like it's if only someone would cue the. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the, the picture. The, the picture, yeah. Last um, week. The, yes. Last week, Parth and I discussed Looper. We closed the loop. Before that, we, did. we had on hair designer Carrie Warren for two parts to talk about them styling the hair for Stanley Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, I'm thinking you're going to have to go listen to that those two episodes if you want to feel like you've got the complete craft services Eyes Wide Shut package. Yeah. Um, but while you're here, you should probably just like listen to us talk about the movie and maybe just like hear me give a 10-word synopsis. It's you? I think it's me because I think you did it. I did. I closed the loop last, last week. week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had I had something in my mind. I knew it wasn't my week, but I was like, "Oh, had some, uh, have, well, some cu- have some cute, have some cute funny." I'd say, "Wait, no, uh, I'm curious. To- I'm no, I'm curious. You go first. You go first. Okay, sure, sure. I'll just be the designated word counter." Tom, or can I can I do TC as one word? You, you can. I did. I did JGL last week. Very good. Yeah. TC and Nicole have marital issues and there's (laughs) secret orgies 
I just thought, I was like, this movie is what would happen. Wow, where is this going? If for one night, everyone you met wanted to fuck. Wow, okay, very good. Because that's pretty much the movie. (laughs) I mean, it is, it is. Um, but the actual synopsis is a Manhattan doctor embarks on a bizarre night long odyssey after his wife's admission of unfulfilled longing. I haven't gotten around to see After Hours yet. I really want to, but there were moments you've never seen this? it. No, I should have asked for the Criterion for Christmas from Santa. But um, there were moments while watching this where I'm like, I feel like this is what After Hours feels like a little bit. I mean, we'll get into this when we're actually talking about the movie, but I would say, like, weirdly, yes. I would not say um, content-wise or mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pacing-wise it's really like it at all, but, like, there is something about, like, wandering the New York streets late at night and, like, with a fucked-up guy having the worst time of his life. And this is, it's like, um, it's like London, New York, I believe. Um, it is. And it feels, it feels like so fake, but like real and like cool and fun, fun to look at. I'm gonna spin the camera so you can see what my family calls mega TV, and it's the big TV in our basement. And um, I went upstairs <clears throat> after the film, and I said to my father, "What a privilege to watch mm. a Stanley Kubrick film down there on mega TV." On mega TV? With- how, do you know how many inches it is? Because I've been to your basement, and that is a big TV. Thank you for noticing. Um, I can ask him after the recording, but um, as as a humble family that has never been very obsessed or uh, interested in big, huge TVs, they got they were like, "We're doing the fucking massivist TV." They were like, "Let's go go to Best Buy and get a one of the biggest TVs they got." Um, Sure. And the and the colors and the Kubrick and um, and it was awesome. Great. Um, friend of the show, Adam Volerich, has a 77-inch OLED TV. Is that bigger than this, you think? I don't. Well, I don't know because I can't remember how big your TV is. But you've been to my house, and you know the TV in my room? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would be if, like, my TV was 10 inches or 12 inches long or bigger than it already is. Oh, wow. That sounds like it costs a lot of money, like making a movie. So, uh, wow, I'd say the, very I'd say the, good. I'd say the budget of this movie. Uh, <laughs> when, when you started talking, I was like, let's just, tr- I'll turn this around. Um, so the okay, budget no, was, fuck my conversation. <clears throat> no, I love you. Um, but the budget was $65 million. No, but the um, budget is $65 million. Okay, Anyways, it is, is was $65 million were spent in order to make this film, and in return, what did they earn, Parth? $162.1 million. Yeah, you know, $162.1 million. Um, Sorry, so, Trent, I, 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 I got, um, I think I got snippy because you cut me off, but or, but but that's okay. No, or no. Not because not uh, you cut me off, but, you know, you're like, ah, fuck this conversation. That's fine. It's fine. But. No, I actually really like spending time with you. We have a long history together, and we've worked on a wow. lot of Wow. We've worked on a lot of movies together, so we have a sort of production history between us. Trent, sometimes you're not with us for the recordings, and then you come <laughs> back, and I realize 
Wow, what a treat to have the Transition King with us. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's especially funny to hear you say that when I went to our shared folder like 20 minutes ago and I was and I was like and I was like oh Parth recovering Wonka cool and you said oh I've got something to tell you uh I alone interviewed the Wonka editor it was spectacular um but I can edit that because it's actually fun to edit the interviews I wasn't present for because it's like it's like I learned something because you excluded hmm. me. So it's like it's like oh, the be- well. the best way I can get a version of that interaction is if you just let me witness it after the fact. So Eyes Wide Shut was developed by Stanley Kubrick after reading Arthur Schnitzler's Dream Story in 1968. What a name. When <laughs> yeah. Kubrick was looking for a project to follow 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, he brought on journalist Jay Cox... <laughs> bought the film and bought the filming rights for the novel and for the following decade he considered making an adaptation of the book as a sex comedy with a quote wild and somber streak running through it and wanted it to star either Steve Martin or Woody Allen in the main role neither of those would be good um but he Well does. I mean I think the movie would be very different like I don't think it would be the serious movie it is now I mean I think st- a Steve Martin movie directed by Fucking Stanley Kubrick would be like really interesting to see, but I'm very fine with us not having a Woody Allen. Um, this starring. is like remember when we co- remember Jaws Summer and they were talking about like Jaws. It was like Jaws three, People Zero. It was like yes, was- well that was going to be a National Lampoon. Like it was exactly. going to be yeah. That's that's what this feels like. Um yeah. but. I, I audibly laughed like five or six times while watching it. Um, it's a funny movie. It, it's just like weird, the things people say. Um, sure. But yes, it, 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 he did still end up with a funny movie, but I'm glad um, that the, the casting was more down the middle. So over the course of this decade, Kubrick also considered Tom Hanks, Bill Murray, Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty, Albert Brooks, Alan Alda, and Sam Shepard for the lead. Um, those are like project... so. Those are so many different conversations we could have. I mean, if you're like Kubrick, I guess you just sort of have the pick of the litter of like, well, what actor yeah, do I want to work most, with? Who's the most famous person right now? Yeah, because it seems like um, those are some of the most famous people, just like from the seventies to the 90s. oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, so the project was revived in 1994 when Kubrick hired Frederick Raphael to work on the script and updated the setting from 20th century Vienna to late 20th century New York City. Tom Cruise was in England because his wife, Nicole Kidman, was there filming The Portrait of a Lady, um, and the pair met with Kubrick, who then casted both of them. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Harvey Keitel were cast in supporting roles and filmed by Kubrick. But uh, due to scheduling conflicts, they both ended up dropping out of the movie. Wow. Um, that, Harvey Keitel yeah. was going to be um, the uh, Sidney Pollack role. Is that the the pool guy? Like the guy yeah. he has the long, serious conversation with at the end? Like yes, the doctor yeah. whose party it is? Wow. Yeah. Do you know who Jennifer Jason Leigh was going to be? Um, I did, but I don't remember now. Probably a woman who bumps into Tom Cruise and wants to have sex. Hey, with him. cutie, you want to fuck? Just, 
wow, despite the circumstances. I don't know why she sounds like that in my version of her. It's like so due to Kubrick's fear of flying, the entire film mm. was shot in England. Soundstage was sound stages were built um, at London's Pinewood Studios and included a detailed recreation of Greenwich Village. Um, Kubrick's perfectionism went as far as sending workmen to Manhattan to measure street widths and note newspaper vending machine locations. Mm -hmm. Um, Real New York footage was also shot and was rear projected behind crews. Um, Larry Smith, who first served as a gaffer on Barry Lyndon and The Shining, was chosen by Kubrick to be the film's cinematographer. Wherever possible, Smith would make use of available light sources visible in shots such as lamps and Christmas tree lights. And when this was insufficient, he would use Chinese paper ball lamps to softly brighten the scene. Kubrick's perfectionism also led him to oversee every visual element that would appear in a given frame, from props and furniture to the color of walls and other objects. Nicole Kidman revealed that her explicit scenes with the naval officer played by Gary Goba, what a name, yeah, a lot uh, of crazy filmed, names today. Yeah, were filmed over three days, and Kubrick wanted them to be, quote, almost pornographic. Yeah, no, they're cut the almost. It's it's yeah. there. So it's filming finally wrapped in June 1998. Um, after shooting was completed, Kubrick entered a prolonged post-production process, and on March 1st, 1999, he showed a cut to Cruz, Kidman, and Warner Brothers executives, and then he died six days later. Um, the film opened July 16th, 1999, in the U.S. Dang, Parth. Towards the end there, that bit, some of those, some of that information... It was kind of a bummer, don't you think? I think I can. I, I wish there was just like like that was some, just like not fun. No, you know, I no. wish there was something to just raise the to fun light, level, light lighten the mood. Here, I'll see what I can do. Um, I've got some fun facts here. So Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman signed open ended contracts. They agreed to work on this project until Stanley Kubrick released it, released them from it. However long that turned out to be, and I believe this turned out to be uh, the longest film shoot. Ever? Or at least that well, was Trent, true at Trent, the time? that might be one of the fun facts. <laughs> so hold on, humble listener. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman spent so long living in the UK due to the prolonged shoot that their two children acquired English accents. Uh, Vincent Don- Mother! No. Mother Kidman! Anyways. Pa- Papa Tom! <laughs> Papa Cruise! <laughs> we are um, dumb. We're dumb. Um, so Vincent D'Onofrio gave Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman this advice. Rent a house or apartment because you're going to be in England for a while. Uh, famous from the first half of uh, Full Metal Jacket. Um, knows that Stanley Kubrick will be like, hey, your, your, your collar's crooked. Let's do 99 takes, you know? Mm. Um, so the password Fidelio is the title of Ludwig von Beethoven's only opera. In the opera, Fidelio is a woman who disguises herself as a man to save her lover. Sounds thematically consistent. Um, no, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was just a coincidence. Just an accident? Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So, uh, this film appeared in the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, with a record for longest constant movie shoot at 400 days. Does that imply... There was no resting days or just that like there were weekends? No, that I think that like because sometimes a movie will be like 
there will be some stories of some movies that like they started yeah, and they stopped and they refilmed or like you know things like that. So I think the idea is that like this is the longest production where it never entered with no major pauses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Parth here to clarify things. Uh, Stanley Kubrick reportedly watched movies like Showgirls, Basic Instinct, and Fatal Attraction during the editing phase to get the idea of how explicit the sex scenes in the movie could be and still retain the R-rated movie he had contractually agreed to deliver. Fun fact, I just watched Fatal Attraction with friend of the show um, on Mega TV the other night, and it's a great film. Have you seen Very it? Very good. I've never seen it, no. Glenn Close, the first Michael Douglas performance where I'm like, Michael Douglas is a good actor. Um, so go check. You didn't that think out. that in Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I didn't, I didn't get around to seeing that. I did see him in the game, which he was just like a dude in. He's just like a dude running around. Um, sure. So what can I get you? I got scotch. I got vodka. I just I should leave the. Cut this shit, will you? Just cut it. I don't know what you're up to. I'm going to tell you it's going to stop right now. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on until you face up to your responsibilities. What responsibilities? I'm pregnant. I'm going to have our child. Alex, that's your choice, honey. That has nothing to do with me. I just want to be a part of your life. Oh, this is the way you do it, huh? Showing up at my apartment? What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls. You change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. But this I enjoyed. Um, so Stanley Kubrick and director of photography Larry Smith tested out different film stocks and finally settled on one that had been discontinued by Kodak. As a courtesy, Kodak offered to supply as many rolls of this film as would be needed for the project. This is like the uh, the you know like the art men thing with the clay. She, yes, yeah. It's like that. Informed listener at home, if you know, you know. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, <clears throat> one of Trent's favorite directors, made a visit to the set where he offered Tom Cruise the role of Frank T.J. Mackey in Magnolia. Parth, respect the cock. Respect the cock. And tame the cunt. Mm. Is that it? And tame. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to finish that. No. And final fun fact, rest in peace to our friend and respected filmmaker, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick's first film to open at number one in the United States of America, his home, before he got paranoid of flying and stayed in England until his death. Doesn't he seem like someone who could be English? And then you're like, huh, he's from New York. Are you kidding me? Is he He's not English? It. Whoa. I'm happy to be the one. Oh my god. What? Born in born in NYC, baby. Um That's he insane. Has He's the a fucking freak. Yes, and then just spent his whole life sort he of He was raised in the Bronx? Are you fucking kidding me? What? And then he stationed and anchored himself in England. And made oh people god. fly to him. And he's like, you go to New York, you fly on the dangerous airplane and measure the street corner, and then come back and tell me. Wow. Do you need some time? I can go eat another pudding cup. Oh, I didn't even say what I ate. <laughs> did we? Did you really not? Oh, I no, I we, guess we only, we talked we, about the wisdom teeth. 
Yeah. Yeah, you had pudding. I, I had pudding, guys. I had pudding. Um, oh. Okay, Parth, did that buy you enough time? To uh, yeah, sorry, I was just so entranced by Stanley Kubrick's origin. Um, but I've got some people that were not so entranced by this movie. Can I were... read? Can I? Can I read the first one? Sure. Is the first one Luke, like one of the sons of the Bible? No wonder he's so upset. Um, because it's captioned "Warning: This is porn." Um, In all caps. And the content said, well, <laughs> no offense, Luke. <clears throat> if you think this is porn, you haven't seen. <laughs> you haven't been on the internet. <laughs> you haven't been on the internet recently. Um, moving forward, I bought the movie to learn about the doings of the elite. Parth. I'm I don't know what it means. Parth, Parth. What does that mean? Parth, I've just started this review, and I've never, <laughs> and I haven't even read it till the end. And I'm ready to say something. I think this could be the craziest <laughs> one-star review we've ever read. Uh, wow, that um, is crazy. Uh, so I'm going to start from the beginning. I bought the movie to learn about the doings of the elite, in parentheses, research. So this is research. But found that it is nothing but a porno. It contains graphic full-figure nudity and sex scenes galore. I could not finish the movie, but ejected it from my Blu-ray player and deposited it into the trash can. <laughs> Why? Give it to a friend. Okay, I guess. And yeah, give it to like one of the other sons of the Bible. For this very reason, I won't own a copy of Rush, even though I'm a longtime <laughs> Formula One fan. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> Do you know? Well, they're ta- they're talking about the movie Rush, um, directed by Ron Howard. But like, I guess I haven't seen that movie. But maybe there's sex in it. But I oh, re- but- I don't. What is the correlation? But it, but it's not like is Rush another movie with a bunch of sex in it, and they're accidentally reviewing it, or are they just quickly transitioning the topic from Eyes Wide Shut to Rush? Whatever Trent, that is. I don't know, but I know that one person found that review helpful. You love you love to share that fact. Um, and what did David? Well, because like, what? Wh- who found yeah. that helpful? For whom was that? Was this like, oh, this this is going to inform Be- my purchase decision making? Because it's interesting. Because if anything, the only person crazier than the person who wrote those crazy words is someone who sees those words and is like, "This is helpful." Exactly. <laughs> Who's crazier, the crazy man or the man who enables him? Uh, you can lead a crazy person to water, but you can't make them be finish not. your metaphors. Yeah, exactly. So, what did David have to say? So, David's Sukovadi Sukovadi um, wrote the picture ratio that Stanley Kubrick intended wrong. Picture ratio is wrong in all caps. I will return the item. I feel like if you know enough about movies to know to look at a movie and be like the the aspect ratio is wrong then you should be able to know that it's called the aspect ratio you know yes and also <laughs> are are they saying that the blu-ray are they saying that kubrick chose a bad aspect ratio or are they saying that the i guess they're saying mm. in their review that the that the blu-ray features the wrong aspect ratio or it's like zoomed in not, or stretched in some way not as kubrick intended clearly <clears throat> but like but, like, how does that happen? I've never in my life had that happen with the Blu-ray. Yeah, you don't hear about 
Unless like, it's like cropped for TV, like yeah. you don't you don't hear about uh, like it doesn't a, make home sense. media <laughs> being making the wrong making such ratio. a big creative uh, creative choice. Um, so what does D Man have to say? Exactly. So D Man, we've he has an issue that some of our past complainers have um, have experienced, and it's that this is a region one disc, and it's not a region three. I contacted seller as I'm looking for region two or three, but I've been sent region one. If you're a collector like I am, check with the seller first. It seems is this is this only like a Europe thing? So I I think like so we are obviously region one because um, oh. we're the freaking United States of America, but. Oh, great. Um, the UK and like surrounding territories are region two. Um, and then region three, I don't know. That might be like Asian countries. I, I I honestly don't know. I've only ever, for the most part, I only have region one stuff. And then my parents watch, used to watch a lot of like British, like mystery shows and stuff. So my dad would get DVDs from the UK whenever he would go for work because they would come out early there on DVD. So we would have a region free DVD player. So I I'm only acquainted with regions one and two. That was my next question is, do you have a region or ha, ha, is there a region? How are we watching DVD yeah, players? Yeah. There you go. There are. Um, it seems like this person prides himself as a collector and it seems like they should have, um, they should have checked what region, um, yeah, this is not a but, reason to rate this one star. This seems like you did not pay sell- attention. Uh, you were the seller's problem. Yeah. I like that someone at some point made the decision that the United States is just going to be region one because that makes it easy for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is it to, like, prevent mass, like... I, I guess you there, don't there's know. no reason other that I can think of other than to like artificially gouge prices yeah, because there's or there is no like for the longest time 4K Blu-rays like the 4K discs were region free and now they've started locking them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 no reason I can think of other than you ne- you would have. You would not have the if you lived in the UK, you couldn't buy a, a Blu-ray from the US if it was cheaper because now it won't play on your DVD player. You know what I mean? So Parth, what's working? Well, what's Trent, um, before we start, start recording, um, you you I I mean I think you had like just finished the movie when you started setting up and uh, got onto the call, and you just went, "What a movie, huh?" And uh, I think I think I said what a banger, and then you uh, were like, we lit- and then you were like, well, literally, and then we and then we chuckled about uh, that well. for a while. <laughs> I'm so clever. Um, you are. But what's working for me is pretty much everything. Um, it's funny to. Are you aware of this movie's like reputation? And that like uh, people didn't like it. It seems like it was the only Kubrick film that opened at number one. Um, well, that but, was partially because, like, he died and, like, everybody's yeah, like, it's yeah. the last Kubrick film. Like, it's a big deal. And also, as star-studded as his previous movies were, mm. they were not Tom Cruise in 1999. 
You know what I mean? Like, that was, like, a big dog of, of a and big th- dog. I think he's the biggest star in the world at that time. Yeah. S- still is in some of our eyes. Parth also and also, is- like, considered, like, a normal person. Like, now he's, like, a weird freakazoid. Um, but, like, back then, it was like, oh, Tom Cruise is just, like, a really good actor. He seems, like, so nice with his wife and kids. Parth is... I just want to take a minute to acknowledge, while I was watching the film, I was like... Is this like the peak of the pod for us? Because we've never we've never covered a Kubrick movie. We probably won't, it would be really hard to find another. Tom Cruise is the star. The, in terms of like mm. our interest, wow, uh, yeah. like overlap. Like this is pretty. pretty if only like spot. David Fincher worked on the like behind the scenes or something. For Paul the, Thomas like, Anderson went to the set part. That's that is true. <laughs> That is true. This does dovetail with Magnolia. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be. I'm trying to think if there's another movie that's so... Well, there if th- there was a version of Mission Impossible 3 that would have been directed by David Fincher. I don't know if you know about this, but... Yeah, yep, yep, yep. If that had happened and we could cover that, that would have been, I think, the peak of the pod. But as it stands, this might be. So I'll let you get back on track. So this movie wasn't so um, wasn't so well received. Well, it was it was weirdly received. I would say it was like um, people were mixed on how they felt about it, and I think that time has been kind to it, as it's been to pretty much all Kubrick movies. Um, yeah. No, while I was watching, <clears throat> I was like, yeah, he's probably the best filmmaker ever. Um, but oh, you're just gonna I- skip over that, okay? Well, I don't, I mean, like, he, sure. I mean, you could make a very strong case that he is. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he's not my favorite filmmaker, but, like, he, I've not seen a movie of his that I've been, like, eh, yet, yeah. you know? Yeah. He doesn't have the bulk, though. It's just, like, he does, he, he does not have the bulk, and um, he is a cold filmmaker, and I think for that reason, he could never be my favorite. Yeah, I guess being remembered as a very... Well, I, I guess he has a, a reputation that is certainly worth acknowledging. But I feel like in our two interviews, uh, they've it's been nothing nothing but positivity. Well, yes. It, that, that, the Carrie Warren interview is very positive. We did interview Judy Farr, who was a set decorator um, on it, and was like, he was nice, but he was crazy and would like, you know. Yeah. Just to, yeah. so, you know, but I mean, um, normal people don't change the world and Stanley Kubrick changed cinema. So, you know, who's in the right there, but, um, I really, this is a movie that I watched first in high school on my iPhone, which is, I'm oh. sure exactly how Stanley Kubrick would have liked me to have seen it. I um, can't even imagine what, like, did you rent it on your iPhone? No, it was, it was on Netflix at the time. Oh, um, uh, h- having the Netflix app is a n- conversation for another day. Okay, no, fuck me. Um, but um, <laughs> it, it was a really, I think I was like 15 or something when I first saw it. And it was a big like, whoa, that's like movies are like that. And this was pre my Tom Cruise obsession because this was pre Mission Impossible oh, Fallout wow. coming out. So it wasn't even like that was doing it for me. Um it's a movie that I think is like hypnotic in in the way that it's um, put together. Um, 
and I, there's really nothing like it. I mean, that's you, that that could really be said about any Kubrick movie, but like that that was my experience of watching it. You feel the hypnosis in that, like the pacing is both slow, like from scene to scene, but it all <clears throat> goes by very fast. I think. Well, that's the thing is that I it, it is it's that it is a slow paced movie, but it is not it's not slow cinema. I've seen slow cinema, like like you know but like Russian all the scenes. All the scenes are kind of exciting. Like, even yeah. if a lot of them I have trouble finding out exactly how they fit into place because it's sort of wandering. But, I mean, so I, I think that, like, a part of that is the casting of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in that they are very much... I mean, Tom Cruise especially is, like, very much commercial Hollywood movie star, like, classic sort of, you know standard hollywood picture and when you combine that with the more artsy kind of view that like kubrick has i think that's where you get something really interesting in that um i am not sure that tom cruise and kubrick are necessarily always operating on the same from the same space um and so you've got cruise giving kind of a performance that like I think that makes the movie feel more fast in a way. Like it makes it feel more normal, if that makes sense. But then um, because there's weird things happening on screen. Do you know what I'm saying at all? Like with with like conventional movie stars, you bring a sort of, oh, this is more of a normal movie thing to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that makes the movie more approachable. Uh Um but then to use by, that and, as a, to use that as a trick to get people to go. To it's kind of like a Trojan movie. horse of like, come watch this new Tom Cruise movie, and you're like, oh, Tom Cruise, that's Jerry Maguire. I'm sure it's the new Jerry Maguire movie, and then it's well, this. Well, it's like being like, come see Mean Girls. We're making it again. It's not a musical. There's no music, but there is. You know, it's just like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've always been um, fascinated by the idea of using like conventional movie stars to sort of Trojan horse an audience into seeing a weirder film than they otherwise would. And I think that it both makes the movie more normal or like conventional and more weird because Tom Cruise movies don't typically have orgies in them. Um, and yeah, I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to get your take on Cruise's performance because he's doing something weird am i crazy no he and both him and kidman um, are doing something weird well so okay and And, this is where i'm gonna come across as the fanboy here but um no i i like it i was like tom cruise feels like an alien in this i mean guess more than usual but like the supporting actors who are talking to him feel like real people but it it, like it's it, it feels right and i was like in like the shining like jack nicholson doesn't feel like a real person but like it feels right and it's yes. the same thing here where like it doesn't feels feel real but it feels right dad yes i'm hungry well you should have eaten your breakfast we'll get you something as soon as we get to the hotel okay okay mom hey Wasn't it around here that the Donner Party got snowbound? 
I think that was farther west in the Sierras. What was the Donna Party? They were a party of settlers in covered wagon times. They got snowbound one winter in the mountains. They had to resort to cannibalism in order to stay alive. You mean they ate each other up? They had to, in order to survive. Jack, don't worry, Mom. I know all about cannibalism. I saw it on TV. See? It's okay. You saw it on the television. This pot is making you aggressive, Trent. Um, I, I, I went back like several times with, after she got out the weed. Cause I was like, this is, I was like, let's, let's analyze this movie. Well, that's a, a man that has clearly never smoked weed before acting high, which I think is wonderful. Well, Parth, here's the crazier oh. thing. Wow. Here's the crazier thing. Up to that point in the movie, I was like, well, Kidman and Nicole Kidman's like drunk. So that, that excuses her sure. for like, she's like purring at the guy she's dancing with. Um, but she's good. And during that whole first scene, I'm like, Tom Cruise is a little like stiff. And then they smoke the pot and I'm like, Tom Cruise becomes normal. And Nicole Kidman goes from normal to like, I'm speaking at like 50% speed. And then sure. she like, she like laughs and she like crumbles. And, um, I was just like. These people don't, or I don't know. Someone there hasn't hasn't smoked pot recently enough. It's just relax, Alice. This pot is making you aggressive. No, it's not the pot. It's you. Why can't you ever give me a straight fucking answer? I was under the impression that's what I was doing. I don't even know what we're arguing about here. I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to find out where you're coming from. Where I'm coming from. Look, uh, let's say, let's say, for example, you have some gorgeous woman standing in your office, naked, and you're feeling her fucking tits. Now, what I want to know, I want to know, what are you really thinking about when you're squeezing? Alice, I happen to be a doctor. It's all very impersonal, and you know there's always a nurse present. So when you're feeling tits, it's nothing more than just your professionalism. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Sex is the last thing on my mind when I'm with a patient. Now, when she is having her little squeezed? Do you think she ever has any little fantasies about what handsome Dr. Bill's dicky might be like? Come on, I can assure you sex is the last thing on this fucking hypothetical woman patient's mind. And what makes you so sure? If for no better reason because she's afraid of what I might find. So people, part of the reason that people didn't like this movie when it came out, as my understanding at least, is like people thought that Cruz was bad in it. Um, I think the consensus is that Kidman was good. And she is very good in this. Yeah. Um, but I think that Cruz, it's very difficult for me to believe that someone as 
like two perfectionists, like Cruz is a perfectionist and Kubrick is definitely a perfectionist. It would be difficult for me to believe that a movie that went shooting for 400 days and like shot like 200 takes of every scene that this performance would be unintentional, you know, that it just sort of happened upon. That was intentional was the exact word I was about to use that. And this so was no, this was no mistake. I think that. I mean, there's been lots of like write ups about this movie, so I don't know that we're necessarily adding anything interesting here. But like, sure, this is kind of an interesting case study of Tom Cruise, the man. In that, you know, I don't know his personal life. Ideally, it's not anything like what happens in this movie. But, no. um, but, oh. Um, oh, um, Bill Hartford—that's his name. Yeah, um, I, th- I think so. Doctor, he shows yeah, that. Do- sorry, he shows his bad. doctor card a lot. Yeah, and Parth, um, if if you ever OD on a speedball, don't worry, he'll show up and just like tap you lightly and be like, yeah, he'll she'll be okay. Just let her sit here. Not gonna administer any care. It's kind of a deconstruction of like the movie persona that Tom Cruise has, and I think that this sort of like alien performance that he's giving is like. You see him in that party scene, and you're like, there's the Jerry Maguire Tom Cruise. Like, he's, like, laughing. These girls are fawning over him. Like, he's, he's he's you know, charismatic and, like, cool and good-looking. And, you know, he's all the things that we expect, but there's just something, like, weird about it, and you can't put your finger on what. And I feel like the movie is slowly, slowly, like, breaking him down until there is only the weird that... um you know, again, I'm not speaking about him, the man, but him, the like persona that we see, but there's only the weird that we know that Tom Cruise tries to hide. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, and so I think that there's some sort of like, that's part of why people didn't like it is that I think people did not accept that deconstruction, um, at the time. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, and I thought that this would come up in the production history, but I'm pretty, this ties into what you're saying, I'm pretty sure, um, as, you, as you mentioned, Cruz and Kidman were, like, mar- I don't know if they were married yet, but they were together. Yeah, no, they, they'd been married for, like, like nine years or something like okay, that. Okay, so imagine point. if you and your wife are married for nine years, and you have kids, and... Then a very famous director contacts you, and he's like, I'm going to do a movie starring you and your wife, and then has separate meetings with both you and your wife talking about your decade worth of relationship issues, naturally, and then writes the details of the movie based around those conversations, and then you have to act in the movie based on your real life. Are you saying that this is a cause of a breakdown of their marriage? Well... Uh, that isn't what I was going towards. I was just saying, like, what a crazy fuck, fucking situation. Well, yeah. But uh, but also, how is... And also just the fact that it's, like, deconstructing their marriage sort of in real time and also may or may not have um, let, a, let, a, let a hand in eventually. A helping hand. But I heard someone, like, the scene on the street where he gets, like, called gay always felt weird to me and then i heard someone on a podcast be like i love that that's kubrick like addressing like tom cruise like in the media like being accused as gay 
and because that always like sticks out to me because i'm like why does this interaction happen like it's it Wait, feels- it, that interaction is funny because it, it goes on for so much longer than you so think it's going longer. to because if it if that interaction were to happen in real time like there's a reason people shout mean things out of moving cars and it's because the interaction ends you're like gone that. and you yeah. can say the mean thing and then you're gone and if he, they just like shoved him and called him a slur, but then they like turn around and they're like, we're talking now. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to talk for the next like 30 minutes or 30 seconds. And we're just going to reiterate the fact that we think you're gay. Hey, 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 what team's this switch hitter playing for? Looks like the pink team, it's huh? Faggot. <laughs> faggot? Merry Christmas, Mary. Hey, hold on. My brothers are back there. Prime cut of me, You want to take a ride in this fight? Kelly is doing I mean, I think that that's part of the like hypnotic, like people don't act like that or talk like that. And I think that's part of like what brings you in, if you know what I mean. What I found funny is I was like, there's nothing about Tom Cruise in this particular moment that would like prompt someone on the street to like do that it it's just like so out of nowhere i mean the movie is a lot about like sort of masculinity um or at least tom cruise sort of exploring whatever emasculation he's feeling because his wife admits that she had this like sexual fantasy um and so i think that like it i don't know that the movie is very um is this happening or is this not happening? Um, but I think that like there, there's a case to be made that like some of this is like not what's actually happening and that this is like within Tom Cruise's head and we're yeah. just sort of following him down this weird path. I don't personally subscribe to that just cause I don't think that there's formally anything in the movie to indicate that this is not real, but it's also Kubrick and like, you never know, you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. The Shining, where I think that's much more like open about the fact that this is you're visually seeing the destruction of a man's mind. Yeah, I like don't like it when like movies or peep peep fans of movies take to the internet to be like, and it was all a dream, um, because the, I feel like that like undercuts things. But this is like one of the few movies where like it's about dreams and things, yeah. and it, like the end monologue is like. Things happened that were real and not real, and we can move on from them. And so it's sure. sort of baked in enough where they could get away with that. But I don't like while you're watching it. I feel like that's a there's nothing to indicate that. Yeah, you that, know what I like mean. That, that's a conversation that can be had after. Like I heard someone on a podcast be like, "This is a man's dream fantasy because in no real world does everyone you meet want to have sex with you." well there's well but the problem is like but you are tom cruise you know what i mean i mean obviously he's not tom cruise in the movie but he is some version of that kind of guy and tom cruise in the 90s like yeah Yeah. everyone kind of did want to fuck him you know what i mean like joe like nobody wants to like not every okay some people ideally would want to have sex with me but like like (laughs) everybody doesn't want to have sex with me but i'm not tom cruise you know what i mean um And so I think that, like, I somewhat brush up against the idea that this is just, like, some guy's fantasy because th- this is a nightmare. <laughs> like, this yes. is, like, a horrible, horrible thing to go through. Um, and 
I, I, I like more so the idea of it being, you know, this one guy's like fable that's just like this weird, I don't know, thing that happened. Part, do you think after, do you think, you think, do you think the family is safe or do you think that they are still, <clears throat> do you think they're still in jeopardy? I think they're safe. Um, but I, th- I, I don't know that that's a happy ending. Like, I don't think anything happens to them. I don't think that Bill ever tells anybody anything that, um, happened or, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't know that like they've really resolved their marital issues. You know what I mean? Like just cause Nicole Kidman is saying like, it's fine, Tom, we just got to put it all behind us. I don't know why she has an accent in my um, thing. She's American in the movie. But um, Kidman being able to move on, I mean, even if it was just in that moment, I was like, you had a you had a fantasy that you admitted to, and then and then your husband did like many bad things, and you're yeah. being like, yeah, potato, potato, let's have sex. And I was like very forgiving of you. <laughs> well, I'm like... To me, that seems more so like I think this is what will solve the problem. Like having sex is not what's going to like you have like deep seated trust issues with each other. And like I don't think that anything that happens over the course of the movie changes that. It's more so like, well, this is just the way we've built our lives. And now we will just continue to lie in this bed we've made. You know what I mean? Because you feel it in the first scene. Like when like they're both like flirting with other people, and then now it's the end of the movie. Yeah, and it's like it's all. Still I don't know there. that anything has changed. I'm I, the only thing that's changed is I think that like he's a little more scared now of just like doing whatever because of the experience he had. I think we should be grateful. Grateful that we've managed to survive through all of our adventures. Whether they were real or only a dream. This was like a debate based on the book, but it was like there was contention about whether Nicole Kidman finds the mask and puts it on his pillow or if it's a warning from like the rich people. And I wanted, if we, I had more time, I was going to go back to the point where he, like, is forced to take off the mask and, like, see if he leaves with it to see if that answered my question. Do you have any insight? I don't remember. I don't know. But then he, he, like, starts crying and then he wakes up his wife and then he's like, I'll tell you everything. And then I was like, that seems like he's, that, that she put it there, but also... In my few interactions with angry women who know things, I would be surprised if they would if she they would go to bed. But they're married and have a kid. You know what I'm like. To me, there's something about like this whole thing is sort of a. This is also like the late '90s where you've got movies like Fight Club and The Matrix, which are all sort of we're all like zombies. We're going through life and. We live this lie that we're happy in our commercial lives or, you know, whatever, capitalist lives. But like, yeah, once you lose everything, you're free to do anything. 
Oh, okay, very good. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't know that this is really necessarily concerned with capitalism so much, but I do think it is concerned with like the lies we tell ourselves and each other in relationships, I guess. Um, and I think that like like you said from the beginning, they're cheat like not cheating on each other, but like they are it's flirting like with other people in a way that like I don't know that if you're in a committed relationship, you would really want your partner to be doing or for yourself really even to be doing. Um, because ideally the person you are living with and are married to and have a child with, there's some form of commitment there that like would stop you from doing that. Um, and so I think that like the, this is all sort of a slow breakdown and, I like ultimate conclusion is like, I guess they're more honest with each other about the fact that they're unhappy or like the things they're unhappy with by the end of the movie. But I don't know that anything is solved. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they just go back to their lives and are just more open and honest with each other about the fact that they are not happy or honest with each other. I don't know. So Parth, um, this is going to be a hard left turn, but, um, so the first time I watched this movie, I watched my Blu-ray copy of it, and then this time I watched, I rented it on Amazon, mm. and I note, and, um, I became privy to, um, what people have been upset about for a long time. What? Yeah, sorry to make it so suspenseful. Um, the CGI bodies oh. covering the uh, active penetration. Yeah, it's not great. It's so not great that it's like, Im- like embarrassing and like wrong and bad. Like, like it's like I know other people are angry about it, so I don't need to be angry. I guess that's our but- one thing that's not working in the movie. Is the weird CG body doubles. Wait, I have one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, wow. And and it's not that it wasn't working. It was just a little quirky thing. So, you know, Nick Nightingale, the piano player. Mm -hmm. um, Tar master himself. Who? That's the guy that like wrote and directed Tar. Oh, yeah. That's Todd Field. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Um, So... This is like a diegetic argument, but there are two times where, um, like, him and Tom Cruise will be having a conversation, and smooth jazz accompanied by piano is playing, and you're talking to the piano player, dude. Um, hmm. That's about it. But yeah, the, 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 C- the CGI bodies um, are really crazy. Now look, I know what the desk clerk told you. But what he didn't tell you is all they did was put Nick on a plane to Seattle. By now, he's he's probably back with his family, you know, banging Mrs. Nick. The clerk said he had a bruise in his face. Okay. He had a bruise on his face. That's a hell of a lot less than he deserves. <laughs> Listen, Bill, I don't think you realize what kind of trouble you were in last night. It's really yeah. I mean, th- there's a case to be made that if he had lived, that would not that would have been fought or re-edited in some way. To you know what I mean? 
Um, Kubrick, it's I'm saying. It, that, no, that, I, no, I know. It's because I'd only ever seen like screen grabs of it before where it doesn't look, it doesn't communicate how bad it really is. But when you watch the movie on mega TV, it's really, really bad. And like, it'll like flip to a revert. It'll be like Tom Cruise from the back. And then parts checking his phone. Cause he's distracted and not interested in what I'm saying, but ba- it's no, just I'm like, listening, I'm listening. They, they won't even animate them into like the reverses of shots. Like, no, they'll just like disappear. Um, and also, it's just bad. Trent, is it the ratings gauntlet? Yeah, I can sense that since is you it were che- sh- I, 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 oh, I mean, I better take my jacket off. Yeah, I was off. about to, yeah. I'm wearing it's thermals because it's cold, but I kind of oh, wish not I for, wearing not, them not, right now. Not for long, yeah. Because yeah. if, Parth, it looks like you're right next to a window. What's that? Oh the, is, that is that a big, why is it so bright? Is that oh a big, God. Mu- is that a big mushroom growing out of the ground? No, it can't be. During this season? Oh, it's an atomic bomb. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. My, My skin. skin! It's burning. It's burning! Um, on set, Jackson said that he liked our... It's burning! ...voice. Um, so you should just know that. Oh. What a specific thing to get called out for. Thank you. Well, because I was doing voices on set, and then Adam was like, oh, uh, what's this character's name? And I was like, I don't know. There's so many. And then Jackson was like, my favorite is the the atomic bomb voice. That, if if someone wasn't a listener to the pod and they heard the interaction... You'd have to explain like, oh, yeah. So I've a, a million pod- layers of like, yeah. So I lore. so I have a film podcast, and there's a part called the Ratings Gauntlet, and there's a part where uh, where <laughs> we enter into it where we act like a nuclear bomb is. Why? Why and- do we like? Where did that come from? Because I've kind of just never questioned that a nuclear bomb is happening. But like, why? Why is a <laughs> nuclear bomb happening? There's really no reason. And we never stopped. Through Oppenheimer, through thick and thin, we never stop to think: Is this a tasteless joke? Um, these are probably okay. Maybe it. only for Oppenheimer would it be a tasteless joke. Other than that, I think it's fine. Cool. Um, yeah, the ratings gauntlet. Um, so, Parth, would your mom like the movie? Um, we, if you listened to last week's episode, you learned that we got rid of. Would you the recommendation? No. So now it's mom rewatch rewatchability and and, and rating. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going first. Yeah. So I um I do not think my mom would like this movie. I think it's too weird. Yeah, I will say as a 22-year-old watching this in my parents' house over Christmas break, um at all points was I like I hope no one comes downstairs right now because it would just it would, I would just have to it would just be weird. I would just no. have to explain myself. Yes. Yeah. Um so I, I I mean I have rewatched this. I think there's something about Kubrick movies that's I mean it, it's so film studenty to say, but like there is something so like rewatchable. Like you I gain something new every time. Um, it, it's a different experience every time. But it is, you know what I mean? Like it sucks because it's true. It, it's yeah. It, you know, Parth, if you keep the camera moving um, at so smoothly and at such tight angles. You know, you you deserve to be to re, to rewatch a second time. Yeah, and as far as a rating, I'm gonna give it a nine point five. Um, 
it's it's not quite a 10 for me there are some slight pacing issues in the middle i think um but other than that everything is like i feel like 9.5 is like pretty freaking good you know what i mean so i think my i brought this up i brought it up to my mom that i'd be watching this later and my dad didn't know what the movie was so he's definitely Very good. seen it um but my mom i think she has or if not, I'll ask her. But I think if she watched it now, she doesn't like Tom Cruise, as you know. Um, but this movie is, like, so much sex that I think she might watch it and just be like, it was just, it was just too much, it was too much She sex. would, would she would, like, leave a review and be like, warning, colon, this is porn. No, no, my mom has much more of a, uh, a cinematic eye than that. But sure. it just might it just might be a little bit much for the senses. Um, um, part, do you think Stanley Kubrick late in his life was like, I just want to make a movie where I get to hang out with like topless people all the time? <laughs> um, I hope that wasn't the reason. Um, it but it very like well that, may have. Because it feels like that was at least one percent of the reason. <laughs> The other 99 was very well-intentioned, I'm sure. Artful and, like, wanted to no. make something that mattered. He was like, I'm dying. I have money. How sure. can I make these remaining days as enjoyable as possible? Um, right. You get to make a film. What's in the film? Naked, attractive, famous people. Um, and my rating, I'm going to go a 9 out of 10. Wow. Um, because yeah. this, was a, this was pretty blissful. Um, but... There's not, it's not like a fun movie. Like it's funny. It has funny moments. But if like your friends were over, you wouldn't be like, let's put on eyes wide shut just cause right. the momentum is such. Um, so Parth, I just, I have one lingering question and then I'll let you go. Yeah. If you had to cut one scene or one major interaction from this movie, um, what, what's it going to be? Because I think um, I because of the pacing or just like because I don't know that I would cut any whole scene. I think that there's just like a little bits where I'm like, did that need to hold on that for that long? Mm. Um, I think maybe like with the underage daughter, like makes me feel a little weird every time. In that I don't think the movie is trying to. Obviously, the movie is saying it's bad. That she's underage and her father mm-hmm. is like so, making her have her. sex. Yeah. yeah, like she's essentially a sex slave for yes. her father, um, which is horrible. Yeah, but there is like it. It does not quite go into leeriness, but it, it always makes me feel weird that like she's in underwear and like. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, that scene, at least, the costume shop operated in, like, the we're getting to the party sort of thing for me. And sure. with, but, like, yeah, the, the I'm, yeah. First like, I hate to be, I, I'm not trying to be a guy that's like, oh, like, I, like it, this has content of things which I don't agree with. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I I, I, I just rated the movie a 9.5. But the, it, it's, I feel like it's, like, Tiptoeing on a line that's a very dangerous line. Well, that, that that is certainly true. I I do think I was like, what is the point of this? And then he's like, you 
Oh, he's like, yeah, I'm not mad that those... I'm actually the pimp here, and you can have sex with my daughter, too. And basically, I just think it's the movie being, like, no one cares about every anything. Everyone is, like, sort of, like, a sexual deviant. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's the part where he goes, and it's, like, the daughter who's dad just died and then she kisses him mm. and is like i yeah. love you and i she has the line she's like i don't ever need to see you again i just want to live near you and that's <laughs> that's really funny and it makes me laugh but that whole interaction i was like this could go for timing yeah uh, i i yeah having rewatched the movie i forgot that that happened um yeah. not forgot I, that it happened but like i just didn't think of it so i i i, I guess i agree the one scene I always forget is going to the morgue too. Like that mm. st- sticks out a little. Um, but I can feel, I can feel you, Parth. I can feel you oh. inside. I can feel you telepathically communicating that you have work. It's time soon, to go. That yeah. it's time to go. I can feel your chair slowly pushing away, and I can feel our relationship slowly. Grown. I can feel that. I yeah, I can feel that distance Breaking between apart. us in real Man. time. Parth, we should okay. Um, let this be our parting notice. Let's get. Let's have two other people. No, let's do a narrative podcast about wow. our podcast problems. Wait, this and, should be the movie, and we'll play ourselves, and we'll record every day for the next four hundred days. Oh, and, wow. And we'll see after those 400 days if we still want to be together, okay? We will not. I can tell yeah. you right now. I know the answer. We will not. Um, um, but Trent, you, you, where can we listen to these episodes that we do release every week on Sundays? We we certainly try our best to. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or really, honestly, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter uh, where we post the updates of when the show is coming out. And also next week, it's our end of That's... year episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even even the hosts of the show are surprised by that fact. Um, Maybe well, one host. host. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, it's going to be our end of year episode, so we're going to talk our top five movies, top five anticipated movies. Oh, there's oh, a lot fi- of shit coming out. Remember how, like, the past two years of the pod, I think I've put on my most anticipated list the new Indiana Jones movie? I think I can put that yeah. to bed now. Well, the last, I... like, three years of the pod, my most anticipated film was MI7. Top Gun. Oh, I thought you were going to say, yeah, MI- I remember that. Yeah, I remember Top Gun. Well, because Top Gun was, and then it got moved, but then it, it did come out. Um, but MI7 has finally come out. Yes. Um... Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hey, guys. See you next week. Bye, guys.